and gave us some wonderful services during the three days of meetings one young man called on the Lord for salvation. Recently I was approached by our mission board, Prayer Baptist Mission International, about becoming their assistant director. After much prayer and consideration, I have accepted that position. We will continue to work in the food ministry and household help in assisting our general director, Brother Gary Chris Also, We will be assisting our current missionaries and doing all we can to further the gospel message to the world. So we uh, stand very, very busy. Remembering the Ken families of this ministry, and he's going to be an assistant director for Prior Baptist Mission International. Now, uh, this is going to be a little lengthy reading, but I think it's important. Uh, our missionary to Kent, Alaska. You know, they're way up there in the cold stuff, and what we have down here is just sitting in the ocean, what they deal with. But uh, if we think we have it bad, listen to what he's had to go through here lately. He said, My dad fell a couple weeks ago and broke his hip. Mm -hmm. uh, he had su successful surgery, and when I made it here to North Carolina over a week ago, he was back at the nursing facility and seemed to be doing okay. I had a visit with him last Sunday, but he just slept but seemed comfortable. Then Monday, he was awake and somewhat alert, and we had a very short but good visit before he fell asleep. Then Tuesday the 18th, I was at my mother's apartment just down the hall from Dad's room, and a nurse came to inform me uh, when they brought his lunch, he had passed away. That's not all. On Thursday evening, after Dad's passing, we were making plans to go to the funeral home the next day, and the nurse came to test my Mom for COVID, and it was positive. That meant she had to be isolated five days. Thankfully, my, my mom had almost no issues with the virus. So we are able, we are able to head to the funeral home tomorrow and make arrangements. I personally had a terrible time getting to North Carolina when I heard the news of the hip fracture. The cost of flying at that time was two thousand dollars for one of the two options. Since I already had purchased tickets for Joshua and I to go to Oklahoma for a conference, I decided to rent a car and drive to North Carolina over two days from Lebanon. Well, each evening when I tried to sleep, I had horrendous muscle spasms in both legs from being in a small car all day. I ended up in the ER until 3 a.m. both nights. To top all that off, I had five migraines over two days. I went to the ER for that. On Friday, I had finally slept uh, I have finally slept well since then and have felt uh, well enough today to try and catch up on things. I hate, I didn't tell you sooner, but in addition to the above, it took a few days to get out of a tiny rental car into a full size van, fly the rest of my family down, deal with someone who sideswiped us on the interstate, get dad's room cleaned out, and finally furnished a furnished home to leave for 10 days before flying back to Alaska. And, the, and these southerners have not dealt well with the three snowballs. <laughs> there, there are other things too, but I'll, I have complained enough. But let me close with this thought. The Lord has been good. He has loaded me with amazing grace, and that's why I'm still serving the Lord. We pray that we will have, a, have wisdom getting all of this done and getting the family back to Alaska. So it's not always here, is it, folks? Remember, Kenny.
Brother Ray, if you will stand and ask uh, the Lord to bless the message tonight and ask the blessing for the missionaries, please, as well. The Lord would give them souls for their labor and meet their needs, please. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne, Lord, we are so blessed and thankful to be able to gather together in a place of worship that you've provided for us, to bring ourselves before a holy and righteous God, a God full of mercy, so much mercy that you paid a debt that we can never pay ourselves for our salvation. Now, Father, as we come before your throne, I pray that you be with Pastor as he brings a message tonight. Fill them with thy Holy Spirit. May we be attentive to the preaching of the word and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Father, I pray for our missionaries. Pray for the protective hedge around each and every family. And, uh, Father, give them grace and strength for the ministry that you called them yes, to. And Father, just give them souls for their labor and guide and direct them in all the decisions that they need to be, that they have to make, and just strengthen them. It's not always easy being in a different culture and the obstacles that that presents. So Father, I just pray a special blessing for them and strengthen them. And again, Father, be with us through the rest of the evening and may all that we do bring glory and honor and glory in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Not turn your Bibles with us tonight to Psalms chapter number 27, please. Psalms chapter number 27. Now, we were in Psalms chapter number uh, 95 uh, just the other night, and uh, we were emphasizing uh, a portion of Scripture here where the Bible said, in Psalms 95 and 8, Harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was agreed with this generation, and said it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into rest. And we called your attention to the fact that they had saw the work of the Lord. The Bible even says in verse 9, that when uh, the fathers tempted him, that the Lord proved himself. He said, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my work. So the Lord proved himself that the children of Israel seen the work of the Lord. But then verse 10 emphasized that they had not uh, known his ways. And I found that intriguing and have not been able to escape that thought this week. That the Lord could do all the things that the Lord done for a people and uh, them still not. And them witness it, see it be a part of it, and still somehow miss uh, knowing his ways. That's an amazing thing to me. And I believe if we're going to know his ways, we're going to have to observe, number one, to know his ways. But I want to I kind of continue with that thought, if I can, and just progress along and start here in Psalms chapter number 27, and I'll read a few verses of Scripture. don't know if I'll read uh, this entire chapter or not. I may, but we'll just take it a little bit at a time, okay, and work our way through it. This chapter is broken down into four sections, and if you look at verses 1 through 3, you see the psalmist's confidence in the Lord. And if you look at verses 4 through 6, you'll find fellowship and communion with him. You find in verses 7 through 12, you see the prayer life of David, 
And then in verses 13 and 14, especially in verse 14, an exhortation for others to follow the Lord and, and the same example or David being that example for others to follow the Lord the way uh, that he did. But what's interesting is when we look in verse number one, the Bible said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? So the psalmist is calling out the fact that the Lord is his illumination. The Lord is the light that is helping him in a dark world. The Bible then says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And then verse 4, the Bible says here, and I wrote a note and I had this in my Bible. I thought this was interesting. Spurgeon said confidence is the child of experience. And here in verse 3, when the Bible said, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. So David here had confidence in the Lord. But verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, I love that verse, and I've quoted that verse and utilized that verse concerning the house of the Lord and, and our desire and what it should be to be in God's house. And ironically enough, I realize that we're in a, in a, a church house tonight, and there's not many people here. A lot of people are sick. Some could be here but are not. But nonetheless, David is saying one thing of, I desire to the Lord. Note, I want you to notice that not two things, not three things or four things, not one of many things, but... David is saying this one thing have I desired of the Lord. His life had come down, Brother Shane, to one place, and it was his desire to be in the house of the Lord. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, or that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, one commentator said it like this. He said, I don't believe that David meant that he was wanting to sleep, eat, and live in the temple. Uh, I believe what's actually being said here, and and there's many opinions, and I don't try to lean one way or the other in this particular psalm by trying to put a time stamp on it. I have my opinions of it, but uh, I'm not going to push my opinion tonight. But neither here nor there, some would say, that this psalm is, is dealing before the Ark of the Covenant was brought back uh, to God's house. And then some would say that this psalm was penned uh, after that the Ark of the Covenant had returned back unto God's house. But either way, you understand that David had a desire to have the Ark of the Covenant returned. And uh, the Lord dwells with his people and fellowshiped and communed with his people. And the Ark of the Covenant being in the house of God, that's, that's where God's presence was at. you understand that? And, and so one would say here that the thing that David desired of the Lord and that he would seek after, that, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that means from, from, from that day forward that he could go to God's house and be in the presence of God. Notice this, the Bible says, One thing have I desired, the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty 
of the Lord. You can't behold the beauty of the Lord if the Lord isn't there. And so the purpose of David's desire to be in the house of the Lord was that he might behold the Lord. It wasn't empty. It wasn't for nothing. It wasn't for tradition's sake. It wasn't for uh, mom or dad or aunt or uncle or brother or sister. It wasn't for the, the, to please the priest or, or, or the preacher, if you allow me to say it that way, uh, to get it down on our level. But it was simply because David desired to see the Lord. David had a desire, one thing that he desired. And that was not just to go to God's house to go to God's house, but that he might go to God's house for a purpose. Because that is where he went to meet with the Lord, to behold the Lord in a way uh, that, that you and I, if I might say it this way, have been spoiled to being able to see him. Now, we don't always capitalize on our ability. We don't always capitalize on what God has given us the ability to do by entering the throne room and talking to an almighty God through the person of the Lord Christ Jesus, his son. But we do understand here that David, one thing he desired, and that's that he might be in the house of God, behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. And when he said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that was to never find himself at God's house where God wasn't there. He, he needed to be there. He's seen the importance of beholding the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What's that mean? That means to go to the temple and inquire of the Lord. To speak to the Lord. To see the Lord. To have the Lord uh, speak to him. He didn't just go to, to be seen. He didn't just go to, to speak to the Lord. But he went that the Lord might speak to him. And I want to say this, when we come to God's house, sometimes we go before the Lord. We might get in our prayer closet and we go to speak to the Lord, but we need the Lord to speak to us. And so David desired this one thing. He desired, of all the things that David had at his disposal, of all the things that David could have, could have, uh, could have had or wished for, this one thing he wanted, and that was to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He says, for in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion. This is not trouble in the past tense. This is trouble in the future tense. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In other words, he's saying I've got to live some more life. And I know from the experience that I've had in the past, I'm only where I'm at today by the grace of God. It's his mercies that have got me to where I'm at. And because of that, and because I give credit to the Lord for being where I'm at today, I understand the severity of being able to go to God's house, be in the presence of Almighty God, to behold His beauty, and to inquire of Him, and to hear from Him. And so we're seeing this, this matter of going to God's house in a very personal way for King David. Can I say that David personally needed the Ark of the Covenant in God's house. He needed to be in God's house. He needed to go pray at God's house. He needed to inquire. He needed to behold the Lord. He needed the Lord to speak to him. Now, understand the Ark of the Covenant. It was important for all of the children of Israel that the Ark of the Covenant be back in God's house. But we're seeing this on a very personal level for David. Even in David's hierarchy and his status in society, even as him being a king and the authority in that land, we understand here that David needed the Lord. 
And David understood that. David had lived some life. He had some experiences. He'd seen the Lord work. And he knew that he, he was going to have to face the things that he had done, gone through in the past. He was not going to be able to do it without God. And so, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in, this, in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon, he shall set me upon a rock. And so the Bible said, and, and, and when you're set up on a rock, that means you can't sink low. You're on a sure foundation. He's saying that I'm solid when I'm, and I'm on this rock. The Lord, by being in his presence, by, by trusting him, by being hid by him, by having his help, by inquiring of him, he sets me on a sure foundation to where I cannot sink beyond that place. And the Bible said, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. And so what's he wanting to do in verse 4? He's inquiring of the Lord. That's a picture of prayer. He's gone to seek the face of his God. And you understand today, we get on bended knee and bow our heads before God and we approach the throne of grace very humbly. And understand that David, this is a picture of him being low and, and praying to God. And then in verse 6 we see, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. In other words, the Lord allows him to, to get a head up and to see above everyone else to, to know what's going on around him because he had been in the low place. Not that he had to be brought low, but that he put himself low, that he inquired of the Lord, that he seen his beauty, that the Lord has protected him. And because of that, now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. There's joy in knowing that you have the protection of the Lord. I will sing. Yeah, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Knowing what God had brought him from, but trusting that God would protect him in the future. You understand here that David, and I don't really like the old saying some of these preachers have, we're going to shout on credit and all that stuff, but I'll say this to you. If you look at it from this standpoint, he, was, he had joy and trusted in God for the future days. All right? And so we see here in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He had joy today because he knew when he had to cry tomorrow that he had somebody to listen to him. And there's joy in that. Oh, there's going to be days of tears, but there's joy today knowing that you have someone to listen to you and help you in those times of tears. Hear, O Lord, when I cry, thy voice have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, and my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Notice this. They didn't have to send a search committee out to find David because David had experienced the Lord in a way that a lot of people have not. And you and I, when we experience the Lord, and the Lord does for us some of the things that I know the Lord has done for me personally. Brother Shane, I, I might have a bad day where I don't feel like coming to God's house. I won't lie to you. I have sick days. I have, I've had bad days at work. But I'll tell you when I come. And I get in his word. And I get with the people of God. And I get in the presence of the Lord. I'm always glad that I purpose to be at God's house where I need to be. When thou says seek ye my face. God is wanting us to seek him. And David said in verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. He, he was in the will of God. By searching and seeking out God. And desiring him. Listen God the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior wants to be desired. And so the Bible says here, Hide not thy face far from me, 
Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. Verse 10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me, notice this, thy way, O Lord. Now, why in verse 4 is David having this desire to seek the Lord's face, to behold his beauty, to inquire in the temple? Because he knows he cannot make it without God. But because the Lord has shown him so much in his past experiences with the Lord, he has a desire, Brother Shane, to continue to find out and know more about the Lord tomorrow than he did today. Because he's been amazed in his life of the times that by carnal mind, he didn't know how he would make it, but God come in and done what only God can in a spectacular way. He shows up and he shows out and there's no doubt that God has been there. And because of that, David had a desire not only in verse 4 that he might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life and behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, but there's also a purpose for it that the Lord may teach him. Verse 11 said, teach me thy way, O Lord. Now the only way to learn and to learn of the Lord is to walk with him and obey him. Then we have to watch and purpose to observe. Now notice that when the Bible tells us in Psalms 95 that the children of Israel, when they were brought out of Egyptian bondage, they proved the Lord. They seen his works, yet they did not know him. But David has experienced him and he has seen the Lord and the Lord has proved himself just like he did with the children of Israel when they come out of Egyptian bondage. The difference is here is David is seeking God in his will. And he's willing to listen to what God has to say for he has come to the conclusion that he cannot make it without him. Now we all need to get to that place in our life where we realize we can't make it without him. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people tonight that don't believe that. You look around you and you can tell that tonight. There's some people that would be here tonight if they believed that, all right? And uh, so let me say this. Some say, well, do I have to go to church? Why would we not want to? Hey, but I get to come to church. I get to open his book. I get to get in the presence of God. I get to pray with God's people. It's not do I have to. There's already something wrong in your heart when you say do I have to. But man, can I get to? I mean looking for the opportunity to be there. Why? Teach me thy way, O Lord. We should want and desire. There's something wrong in our heart when we do not want to be taught more about the Lord, the one that bled and died and, listen, came to this earth that he might what? No one understand how you and I live. Oh, yes, notice this. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He come and endured and lived and, listen, went through the same things we did. And now when we pray to God through the man Christ Jesus, we have an advocate with the Father who can understand by living in the flesh what it is that we've gone through. Thanks be unto God. 
So teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. The difference here is the children of Israel didn't really want to be led. They wanted to fuss and argue and, and they wanted to withdraw and they wanted to lean upon their own understanding. The Bible says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. Lean not under thine own understanding. They leaned on their own understanding. David realized his understanding wasn't worth two cents. But he needed the Lord. And so he says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. In other words, lead me in a path that I can understand. A plain path. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> the pastor is supposed to be apt to teach if he's qualified, right? To teach what? God's word. What? That you may know him better. To know the Lord. Now, some have the philosophy or the ideology that a pastor ought to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that's the main thing. The idea is that the pastor may help you to know the Lord. Whether you're lost and undone or whether you've been saved by his marvelous grace, to know him in the free pardon of sin is to know him, but it is not to know him fully. We know him through the plan of salvation. He's mine and I'm his, but, but we want to know him. We should have that desire. And that's why it's been stated already the, the last Sunday that Paul desired to know him in the power of his resurrection. To know him in a way that others had not. Why? Because he had already experienced him. Now I've experienced him. And I thank the Lord for the experiences that he gave me. Now we don't preach experiences because everybody's experiences are different. We preach the doctrine of the word of God. But understanding that when we apply the doctrines of the word of God to our life, God will take this book and he will make application with it and help us to walk through this life and help us to experience him in a way that you would not if you did not take his word and apply it to your life. So the Bible says here, teach me thy way. So we see here the thrust of Psalms 27 is that David could get in the presence of God to inquire of his beauty. He thought the Lord was magnificent. He calls the Lord beautiful. How is that? He must have had a glimpse of him in the past. He must have seen him in a way that some had not to desire him more. And when you and I see him in that way, it will cause us by, by default to want to see him more. I, I worry about people that have no desire. I worry that they've never got out of the wilderness. I worry that they've never got to the place, I mean, they've got out of bondage, but they've never grabbed a hold of or started going in the direction that God wanted them to go and get a hold of it and actually gain what it is that God would listen out of all of the people that come out of Egyptian bondage. Only two, only two made it to where God wanted them to go. That's not a very big percentage. That's minuscule. It's minute. It almost can't even be seen. And I'm afraid it's the same thing happening in our churches today. In the, in, the, in the world in which we live in, there's just a minuscule amount that's willing, a small fraction, a small portion, a small percentage that is trying to know him more. But that is what the Lord is desiring because it says, hide, or it says um, verse 8, when thou says, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now, 
Verse number 12 says, Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breath, or such as breathe out cruelty. Notice verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, we're living in the land of the living. We're not in the land of the dead. We're, we're living among people that are living today. Amen? And I want you to understand here that he had fainted unless he had believed to see the goodness of the Lord on this side of eternity. I've seen the goodness of the Lord. I have, I've allowed uh, myself to get in a bad state before, but I've also yielded myself to the Lord and allowed the Lord to show me his ways in a way that I had not experienced before. And it's a learning process. I assure you, I still have to stick my neck out on a limb from time to time and, 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 and distrust the Lord. And it's difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. It's difficult because we, by nature, want to be in control. But the Lord wants us to be out of control but under control. Now, let me say this. When we're under control, we're not out of control. He just doesn't want us taking the reins. See, we may feel out of control, but when we're under his control, he has everything in control as he wants it to be. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait I say on the Lord. David has learned that through inquiring and through expecting, because we find an expectation in verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land. He's learned to trust the Lord. He's learned expecting. And verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I'll say this, if the Lord's going to teach us, and the Lord's going to show us his ways. We're going to have to do some waiting. Everything isn't instantaneous. We're people that like instant gratification. But uh, I will say this, through a progression of waiting, through a progression of seeking, through a progression of desiring, the Lord sometimes will show up in a magnificent and a very special way. Luke chapter number 2, I'm not going to get to preach even half of what I had tonight. But I'm going to give you this and we'll be done tonight, okay? I want to move right along here into Luke chapter number 2. And I want to show you something, Lord, being my helper. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 25. The Bible said, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Can I say that seeing Jesus was his greatest ambition? He, was, he, was, he had seen the salvation of the Lord. 
he had held in his arms the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ, he had no other ambition. He said, Lord, I'm ready to, to take me now. I've seen Jesus. Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared uh, before the face of all people. And light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now this is talking about Mary witnessing the death of her son at Calvary. All right? But I want you to notice as we shift gears here for just a second about this woman named Anna. The Bible said, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Azer. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now we just found out that it was David here in Psalms chapter 27 verse 4 that said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He had one desire. This one desire, this ultimate desire was to be where he could get a hold of God and see God and have God hear him and speak to God and God speak to him and the Lord's protecting hand on his life. We find here a widow. Now a widow indeed, might I add, if you go over into book of Timothy, 1 Timothy. But the Bible says here, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple. In other words, she didn't leave. But served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Why? She had a desire. She had a desire to speak to the Lord. And not only that, but she was offering something back to the Lord. How do we know that? Because the Bible said, but served God. Now notice with me, we, are, we do our service outside these four walls. We're not doing anything special today by coming to God's house as if we're doing some great favor to God. We don't come to God's house that God may, may find that we have given him a favor, but we've come to God's house that we may be inquire of him and learn of him and to know him better, to be more intimately acquainted, to hear what his word has to say to us that we might know him better. But notice this, she is serving God. How? With fastings and prayers night and day. In other words, she's doing more, Brother Shane, than asking something of him for her benefit. But she is offering something back up to him. She's not only in God's house that she might pray, but she's in God's house that she might worship. She's there not only to gain something for herself, but to offer something back to him because she, like David, is inquiring of the Lord that she might see the beauty of him. Now, this is amazing because I want you to notice that the Bible said she was a widow of about four score and four years. This widow was uh, 84 years of age. She had been a widow for quite some time 
And she'd spent her life, her life's ambition was to be in God's house, worshiping the Lord, praying and seeking his face. Not only that she might gain something, but that she might give something back in return. And her one life's ambition was to see the face of the Lord. Now notice with me, if you will, how God blesses this woman. The Bible said, if I can keep it together tonight, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Here's what's happened. She spent the majority of her widowed years in the temple of the Lord, seeking his face, worshiping him, inquiring of him. And one day, while she's down in the temple, seeking the face of her God, in comes Mary and Joseph with little baby Jesus. God in the flesh. And the Lord allowed this woman to see him in a way that she had never seen him before. Nor would many ever get to see him in this way. I want you to know something today. I believe that God honors our willingness to seek his face. Not that we might just gain something from him, but that we might offer something back to him. But in our offering to him, you cannot, but shame out, give God. You cannot bless his name without him blessing you back tenfold. And when your heart is to God, and when you want to see his face, and when you want to worship him, when you want to inquire of him, when you love him for him, man, he will love you for you. And he will love you for loving him. And he will show up in a way that you've never seen before. She wanted to know the Lord. She wanted to see him. And can I say she got to experience him in a way that not many did. In such a manner that even Simeon said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Because he had seen the salvation of the Lord. He'd seen God in the flesh. Now you'll find that the Lord spent his ministry being rejected by many. And unfortunately today there's many that reject him and don't want him for who he is. But they don't know him the way that I do. They've not experienced him the way that I have. And should they ever know him the way that I have or experience him the way that I have, they would want to know him more. Now our goal tonight is this. We want them to know him and if we want to know him more just for loving him for who he is it will automatically cause others to want to know him more for who he is it was it was paul who got that macedonian call it was paul that took the word of god into europe brother shane and subsequently we find that the word of God has been brought to the land in which we live in and it come from Europe. I want you to understand something today. It's amazing to me. I'm going to go ahead and just hit the highlights here tonight because I can't help myself. But Gamaliel in chapter number 5 of Acts went out and he warned, uh, he warned that the, the, the council would not uh, beat Peter and the apostles. But you'll find in Acts chapter, I believe it's Acts chapter 22, if my memory is serving me correctly, that it was Paul that when he let it be known that he was a Jew, a Hebrew, 
that he said that he learned and set at the feet of Gamaliel. Now it's interesting to me that Gamaliel is warning that these apostles here, if it be of God, if what they're saying, the message they bring, isn't of God, it'll manifest itself and show itself. But if it is of God and you fight this, then you need to understand you are happily fighting against God. And so he counseled the, the council, if you will, to leave them alone and allow the, the things that they said to manifest itself for what it really was. Can I say to you, he was a doctor of the law. Gamaliel was a Jew, a Pharisee. And you know what I find? Even he had enough sense to know that you might ought to back up and back off because if God is in this, you would be better off to leave it alone than to fight against God. He wasn't sure of himself, but he was sure enough that he didn't want to fight against God. Interestingly enough, his protege, Paul, who we know as Saul, who grew up learning from Gamaliel, would be the one that God chose to save down on the road to Damascus. And he took a Jew, friend, and sent a Jew. Mind you, it's the Jews that would not accept Jesus Christ. Jesus come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he would not give to the Gentile because the Jew had not yet rejected him. But when the Jew rejected him, he took a Jew and he sent a Jew to the Gentile world. And the Gentiles, we find in Philippi, uh, was a Gentile church. One of the closest churches that Paul had a relationship with. What, what am I saying today? God has a way of showing out for him. God has a way of showing off. But here's the interesting thing. Paul witnessed the Lord in 2 Corinthians, the Bible tells us, I think it's chapter number 12, he witnessed the Lord in a way that he had never witnessed him before. And it wasn't lawful for him to utter the things that he'd seen, but it made a vast impact on his ministry and his life. And it caused him to want to know the Lord more. And he says in the, in the book of Philippians that he wanted to know him in the power of his resurrection. Why? Because he had witnessed the Lord. But can I say wanting to know the Lord more? caused him subsequently to let everyone else know the Lord more. If we'd fall in love with Jesus, if we just, just by a natural love for the Lord, allow it to, to do what it would, we would see that we wouldn't have to fight tooth and nail and scratch and claw our way through the ministry trying to get folks saved. Folk would see something, friend, that they don't see in just everybody. You'd agree that Paul is a preacher of preachers. But I don't think that God just pulled him out of thin air for some whim. I think that Paul, I mean that the Lord took a Jew, a Hebrew, that was killing Christians. And understand, it, he even went against Gamaliel to some degree because he didn't have the same personality Gamaliel did. Or he wouldn't have been fighting against God the way that he did. But understand he had a zeal, but his zeal got him in trouble. And I believe that God brought all this to come to pass and took a Jew and won the, the Gentile with this Jew so that he could show the magnificence of his power. But you see, Paul wanted to know the Lord in a way that most people never have cared to know him. But the more he experienced him, the more he witnessed him, the more he got a, a look at the Lord and understood uh, the Lord and got to know him in a way that not many of us know him. It drove him further and further and further towards the Lord to the point that he desired to be in heaven. But he said, it's more needful that I'm here with you. And can I say this? 
I believe Paul, he, he said, uh, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Isn't that what David said in Psalms 27? This one thing have I desired. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had his eyes set on the mark. Jesus was his mark. Pleasing Jesus was his mark. Being in the presence of Jesus was his mark. He wanted to please the Lord. And I'll say this, we're scratching at it today, trying to get people interested and trying to get people, and we ought to, we ought to, we ought to go after people. But I'm telling you, if people could ever see the Lord in the, in the power of his resurrection, you wouldn't have to be begging them to come to God's house. You wouldn't have to offer them this, that, or the other. They would come because they want to know him more. The first thing we've got to do, friend, is we, if we want them to know him, we're going to have to know him more. The easiest way to get people to know the Lord is to know him more ourselves. You don't have to figure out how to make it in the ministry. You have got to figure out how to love him more, to desire him more. How do you do that? You, you, you read his word more. The more you look, the more the pages open up to you and get real to you, and you see the magnificence of God, it'll drive you closer to him. And the closer you are to him, and the more that you know him, the more likely you are of being able to get others to know him. It's very simple today. It's not really an equation that has to have this, that, or the other met. It's a state of the heart. The problem with ministry today is we've got too many equations. We've got too many protocols. We've got too many ideas. What we need is to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Prayer. You inquire. You seek his face. You allow him to lead you and guide you and direct you. And when you do that, friend, you'll know him in a way that others have never known him. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We're so very thankful, Father, that you know us. And Lord, that we know you in the free pardon of sin. Lord, I fear that I haven't scratched the surface of really understanding and knowing you. It's a shame at the age that I am, that I'm not better acquainted with you and your ways than what I am. Lord, I'm privileged and have been privileged to have witnessed your hand in my life, to see you in a way that some have never. And Lord, because of that, there's no doubt it's drove me to where I'm at today. I'm not here because of a, of a, of a farce or a fake. I'm not here, Lord, to show off or show out. Lord, I'm here because it's real to me. You're real to me. You're real in my heart. I've witnessed you. You've proved yourself to me. You've shown me your ways. But God, I fear tonight that I will have seen your ways. I will have proved you, but still have missed knowing you. Help us, Lord. We see that David in chapter 27 of the Psalms, he desired to be led by you. Lord, lead us and guide us and direct us, I pray. Hold us by the hand and carry us through. We're trusting you one step at a time. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt we do not have the ability to make decisions. We don't have the ability to get through tomorrow. 
But Lord, we're leaning on you one step at a time, trusting you with each moment of our day. And Lord, I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice or who may hear this message would desire to seek after you this one thing that David desired. And he said, that will I seek after. Lord, help us to put everything else in our life aside but for you and seeing you to be the one thing that we desire. Lord, when you become the one thing that we, we know, Lord, when you came, you came with one thing in mind, and that was us. You desired us. Who for the joy endured the cross, despising the shame. We know that you looked out on the horizon that day at Calvary and seen us not for just what we was, but what we could be through you. Lord, we know you came for us. I pray, God, that we would make you uh, that priority in our life, that you would become that one desire that we might know you more. Like Paul, to, to, to know you in the power of your resurrection, to know you in a way others have not. We see the effect it had on Paul. There's no way Paul went through the things that he went through in the flesh without having the Spirit of God to help him through it. And we know, Lord, in order to have that, he had to draw nigh unto you, but he had the promise that you would draw nigh unto him. Help us, I pray, to get closer, to move up closer, to desire more of you. And we know that if we'll know you more, others will come to know you through us knowing you more. We love you. Thank you. Praise you. Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Take a few minutes, if you will, uh, tonight, and uh, we'll take a break and have a quick business meeting, and we'll get you out of here, all right? Did you mean read it? 